Gareth Walker, I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church, and we are finishing a series today where we've been laying out the biblical foundation to receive our healing, and that is the fact that healing is in the atonement of Christ. In other words, on the cross, Jesus bore our sicknesses as well as our sins, so that we might be healed as well as forgiven. In other words, he bore the curse of sin as well as sin itself. The curse is the consequence of sin, of breaking God's law. So it's called the curse of the law. And last time we saw from Deuteronomy 28 what the curse of the law was, and it includes every kind of sickness. It, it, the curses begin in verse 15, and it says, all these curses will come on you and overtake you if, if you break the law. And it describes many terrible things, including many sicknesses, and then it concludes... In verse 61 it says, also every sickness and every plague that is not written. In other words, if I haven't mentioned any sickness, you can count that in too. That's part of the curse. So every sickness is in the curse. So we also saw, though, that Jesus redeemed us from the curse by coming a curse for us when he hung on the cross at Calvary. And if Jesus took our curse, that means he took our sickness. Galatians tells us, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law which includes every kind of sickness, having become a, come a curse for us, for it's written, they're cursed, is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law when he became a curse for us and he, as he hung on the tree. Praise God. So now, all sickness as we've seen, is included in the curse. Therefore, Christ redeemed us from all sickness, having taken the curse of sickness when he hung on the tree. Jesus was made sick for me, as well as made sin for me. So he bore our sicknesses on the cross. He did it so that we could receive the blessing of healing. Through faith, it says, through faith in him and his death and resurrection. So, Galatians proves that healing is in the atonement. God delivers us, in other words, from the curse of sin exactly the same way that he delivers us from sin itself, by the atonement. There can be no other way. Healing, therefore, belongs to us, belongs to you, because it was purchased for us through the blood of Christ. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He's redeemed us from all sickness, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Notice that to help explain and establish the truth of what Christ has done for us on the cross, Paul points to an Old Testament picture, which reveals the means by which the curse is removed from us. This is the only way the curse can be removed, and he does it by quoting Deuteronomy by saying, For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So let's go there to Deuteronomy and see what that is. Then all the men of this city shall stone him. That's a man who's committed a sin unto death, guilty of death. Then all the men shall stone him to death with stones, and you'll put away the evil from among you. And all Israel shall hear and fear. If a man has committed a sin deserving of death, and he's put to death, you will hang him on a tree. His body will not remain overnight on the tree, but you'll surely bury him that day. So you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, for he who is hanged on a tree is accursed of God. You see, a guilty man who's committed a crime worthy of death 
First of all, he was stoned to death. Second, he was hung on a tree. Third, he was buried before sunset. Only this way was the defilement or the curse of his sin removed from the land. Otherwise, it would defile the land. His sin brings a curse on him and the land. And so it's important that it's removed. And justice demands that the penalty of sin be paid. And so the man must die. But his death isn't enough. More is required for the curse to be removed. He must be also hung on a tree. That's a picture of the man taking the curse on himself, becoming a curse. Then, now he's become a curse, when he is buried, the curse is buried and fully put away and removed from the land. Otherwise, as I say, the curse is still operative, diminishing the presence of God in the land, defiling the land. In the burial, the curse is put away and removed and the land is free. Thus, in the law, a guilty man carries the curse for his own sin, being put to death by being put to death and hung on a tree, and then buried. And when he is buried, that curse is then removed from the land. So God is revealing through this how the curse must be removed. And then we saw also that the law reveals another principle that is of substitution. Through those animal sacrifices, those innocent animals dying in the place of a man, that establishes that a righteous, innocent person can take the place of the guilty person and take the curse of the law on himself and bear it instead of him. And of course, this is to prepare the way that for Christ. That's what Christ did. And so the law of the removal of the curse in Deuteronomy is actually provided ultimately as a picture of what Christ would do to remove the curse from us. Galatians says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing might come upon us. And so Jesus become a curse for us by being hung on a tree, taking our place by his own free will. When he hung on the cross, he was accepting the curse of God in our place. He become a curse for us. Because he was innocent, he was not killed first, like a guilty man. But he allowed himself to be lifted up on a tree to become sin and curse for us. All our sin was put on him. He bore the full shame, the penalty, the curse of, it, of our sin. And that included his physical death. And so... Is being, being our substitute, it required him being lifted up on the tree first to take our sin and curse and then dying. Uh, and that because the dying is part of bearing the curse of our sin. A man who took the curse of his own sin, of course, it was the other way around. He died first and then he was put on the tree. Then the law required that Jesus be buried before sunset. That's necessary, again, according to Deuteronomy, for the curse to be removed from us. So thank God for Nicodemus and Joseph. By removing the curse, he made it possible for God's blessing to be released to us. And so Jesus fulfilled Deuteronomy 21. By first taking our place, becoming a curse for us by being hung on a tree, then second, suffering the death that we deserved, and then third, being buried before sunset. In that way, he fulfilled God's requirements for removing sin and curse from us. And we're going to look at some examples of this law in action in, Deut in the law of Deuteronomy in uh, Joshua. 
Chapter 7, first of all, there's the sin of Achan. He uh, commits a terrible sin. It results in the curse coming on Israel, and as a result, they are defeated by a small town called Ai. And Joshua asks God, why were we defeated? I thought you were with us. And God answers, there's an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. They were under a curse because of Achan's sin. This curse was removed by Achan's death. He was executed. And then he was hung on a tree and buried. It says in verse 26 that they raised over him a great heap of stones, still there to this day. That's his burial. And so the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger, and therefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor. Achor means trouble. With the curse removed, God's presence was restored, and then they fought Ai again, and this time they won. Ai, you see, like all the Canaanite cities of that time, were under God's judgment because of their gross evil. They were defiling the land. And so the king of Ai was, was deserving of death. And so then the king of Ai was executed also. He was hung on a tree and then buried, according to Deuteronomy. Let's read that in Joshua 8. So Joshua burned Ai and made it a heap forever, a desolation to this day. And the king of Ai, he hanged on a tree until evening. And as the sun was going down, as soon as the sun was down, Joshua commanded they should take his corpse down from the tree, cast it at the entrance of the gate of the city, raise over it a great heap of stone and that remains to this day. And that's his burial at sunset. So the king of Ai, you see, he represented all the people of Ai. And so as their representative, he took their curse on himself as he hung on a tree. And so that curse of their sin was removed from the land when he was buried. The defilement, the curse of Ai, was removed in this way. In burying him, God caused Joshua to make a pile of stones over him, and that became a memorial to point to a spiritual lesson that God was revealing through this about the removal of the curse. And in the same way, you see, Christ, our King, he's our representative, he became our curse. He took our curse by being lifted up on a tree, suffering death from us, and then removing that curse through his burial. And he did this so we could have the blessing of resurrection life. If it wasn't for Calvary, we would be like Achan. We would have to suffer the consequences, the curse of our own sin. And so we see in Calvary mercy and justice together. God's justice requires Blessing on obedience, but cursing on sin. But justice is satisfied by the death of a man on a tree. Who, a man who took our place. He become a curse for us and removed it from us. Satisfying justice. Then those who believe and look to Christ on the tree can receive his blessing, his mercy, his redemption from the curse. So God, you see, revealed in Deuteronomy that the curse of sin is only removed by a sin-bearer hanging on a tree, taking the curse on himself and dying, and then being buried the same day. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus accomplished the removal of our sin and its curse from the earth at the time of his burial. And the Bible reveals how he did that. When Jesus died, his, now we look into the spirit realm. 
that his spirit soul left his body, and it descended into Hades in the heart of the earth. He said this in Matthew. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You see, while his body was buried at the earth's surface, his spirit soul descended into Hades, to the heart of the earth. Having paid the price in full for our sin on the cross, he was now removing it, taking it away from us forever. And this is actually revealed in another type, the type of the scapegoat on the Day of Atonement. That's in Leviticus 16. It says, He will take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats as a sin offering. Notice the two goats here on the Day of Atonement, together they form a sin offering. So these two goats, they both speak of Christ in two different roles, and together they are a picture of what Christ did concerning our sin. And so they are two aspects of the perfect work of Christ, these two goats, as the sin offering. It says, He, that's the high priest, shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Literally, it's the goat to Adzazel, which is the name of the demon of the wilderness, which really represents Satan. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. So one goat is chosen to be killed as a sacrifice to the Lord, a sin offering for the Lord. And this is a picture of Christ bearing our sin for us on the cross and paying the price in full for our sins, receiving the ju their just punishment in our place. The other goat, known as the scapegoat, was not killed, but was to be sent alive into the wilderness to Azazel. It says, but the boat goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. So first the first goat was killed as a sin offering, then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering. Then the sins and the curse of the people of Israel were laid on the live goat the scapegoat, the goat to Azazel, in order for it to carry them away into the wilderness to Azazel. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat, and shall send it away into the wilderness by, by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on himself all their iniquities to an uninhabited land, a wilderness, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. After the sins, you see, were paid for by the death of the first goat, the living goat carried them away from Israel into the wilderness to Azazel's realm and dumped them there. Jewish tradition says that the goat had a scarlet woolen rope tied around its neck, representing their sins. Also, a similar red rope was tied to the entrance of the sanctuary where all could behold it. As Isaiah says, Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be white as wool. When the scapegoat reached its destination in the desert, it was thrown over a steep cliff, and in this way their sins were removed. A piece of the red wool was also tied to a nearby rock, and when the goat was thrown into the abyss, it miraculously turned white, as well as the wool in the temple, signifying the removal of their sins in fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Likewise, after Jesus died physically as our sin offering, Christ also fulfilled the second aspect, for his spirit was still alive. 
and it descend, and he descended into Hades, carrying away our sins and dumping them there on the father of sin, Satan, who's represented by Azazel. Interestingly, Jewish tradition tells us that from AD 30 until the destruction of the temple in AD uh, 70, the scarlet thread never turned white again, signifying that God's blessing was no longer on these shadow rituals. And that signified that Israel was to look elsewhere for the provision of atonement. Of course, we know who to the Messiah, because the reason is that the miracle stopped is that Jesus, the true temple, the true atonement was now on the scene. He was present, having just been baptized and anointed with the Holy Spirit, but he was the temple now of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus bore our sin and its curse on the cross, including sickness, and he removed it from us. Isaiah says, surely he's borne our griefs, sicknesses, and carried our sorrows, that's our pains. These words, born and, uh, and carried, Nazar and Sabal, it means to lift up, assume as a heavy burden, and to bear away, to remove to a distance, just as pictured by the scapegoat, to bear it and to remove it. Thus Jesus bore and carried away our sin, our curse, our sickness from us, so that we could receive life and healing through Christ. The same words for Christ bearing and carrying away of our curse, of our sickness, are used in Isaiah 53, 11 and 12 to talk about him bearing and carrying away our sin. So just as he bore and carried away our sins, he bore and carried away our sicknesses. Let's look at another picture of Christ in the Old Testament that relates to Galatians 3.13, that Christ redeemed us from the cursed. And it describes, again, how he delivers us from the curse of sin. Very interesting. Joshua chapter 8.30. Joshua built an altar to the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant, servant of the Lord, had commanded Israel. As it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones over which no man has wielded an iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there in the presence of the children of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. So here we have Mount Ebal. And there was an altar built on Mount Ebal. And this is a picture of Christ on whose heart the law of God was written and perfectly fulfilled by his life. These offerings on Ebal picture Christ offering up his perfect life, his perfect righteousness to God on the cross as a sweet-smelling offering. And that's the first three hours on the cross. And then we read, Then all Israel, with their elders, officers, and judges, stood on either side of the ark before the priests, Levites, who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, half of them in front of Mount Gerizim, half of them in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses the serpent, servant of the Lord had commanded before. And we'll read that in Deuteronomy. That, the, that they should bless the people of Israel. Now this took place near Shechem, which is in a valley between these two mountains, Ebal and Gerizim. So just build up the picture in your mind. Once everyone's in position, Joshua read the law, and he read especially Deuteronomy 28, the blessings and cursings, uh, which include all the sicknesses. 
And now we read in Joshua, Afterward he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings, according all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of what Moses commanded that Joshua didn't read before Israel, all of Israel. In doing this, Joshua was following Moses' commands in Deuteronomy 11 and 27. And it shows a picture of salvation here, because all the curses were pronounced on Mount Ebal, and all the blessings were on Mount Gerizim. So we're building up a picture here. Mount Ebal, remember, was the place of sacrifice, the place of the altar, and so it is a picture of Christ in his death. And all the curses were put on Mount Ebal. That shows every curse was put on Christ in his death. Let's read that in Deuteronomy 11. Behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse of the blessing if you obey the command of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse if you do not obey. But turn aside from the way I command you today to go after other gods which you've not known. Now it shall be, when the Lord your God has brought you into the land which you possess, then you will put the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Ebal. You see, the curse goes on Mount Ebal. That's where the altar was. That's Christ in his death took the curse of the law on himself. The blessing was on Mount Gerizim. Deuteronomy 27 also explains, Moses command the people on the same day, saying, These shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people when you have crossed over the Jordan. And then he names six tribes. And these will stand on Mount Ebal to curse. And then he names another six tribes. So again, you see the cursing on Ebal, the blessing on Gerizim. And the Levites shall speak with a loud voice and say to all the men of Israel, Cursed is the one who makes a carved or molded image, abomination to the Lord, the work of the hands of craftsmen, and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Cursed is the one who treats his father or mother with contempt, and the people say, Amen, and so on. So God is giving us a picture here of two mountains facing each other. The people on Mount Ebal are pronouncing and placing the curses of the law on Ebal. That's a picture of Christ in his death. And the people on Mount Gerizim are pronouncing the blessings. They're releasing the blessings. First, all the curse for breaking the law was put on Mount Ebal, the place of sacrifice, a picture of God putting all our curse on Christ on the cross. Praise God. Then all the blessings were placed on and released from, they were standing on Mount Gerizim. And that's a picture, of course, of Christ's resurrection. When God blessed Christ, he's now Mount Gerizim in the resurrection. He received in the resurrection every blessing on our behalf. And on the basis of his perfect righteousness, God blessed him with every blessing. And then he received it on our behalf and gives that blessing freely to us. So all the blessings come upon Mount Gerizim and are released from Mount Gerizim. Wonderful picture. So Ebal represents Christ in his death on the cross where Christ come a curse for us, and Gerizim represents Christ in his resurrection when he received the blessing and released it to us. Exactly what Galatians 3 tells us. Christ re re redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us on the cross, that the blessing, the blessing might be released to us in Christ. The altar was only on Mount Ebal. No altar on Gerizim. 
And this is, as I said, a picture of Christ's perfect life poured out for us in death so that we might have peace with God. Mount Ebal declares that Christ in his death took all our curse, including sickness, so that we can receive the blessing of Mount Gerizim, the blessing of abundant eternal life that flows from Christ's resurrection. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that's Mount Ebal, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith, that's Mount Gerizim. The blessing of healing, you see, the two are connected. The blessing of healing can only flow to us because Christ bore the curse of sickness for us. First, by faith, we look to Mount Ebal. And we see Christ redeeming us from the curse. Then we look to Mount Gerizim and we see all the blessings of healing and life released to us in Christ. And we can come and receive our healing and our blessing. The curses reveal what Christ redeemed us from on the cross. And the blessings reveal what is ours now through his resurrection. By faith in God's word, we receive deliverance from the curse and we can receive fullness of blessing. Faith in Christ's death, you see, releases us from the power of the curse when we see that Christ took the curse for us. And faith in his resurrection, by that faith, we can receive the power of new life. Sickness is a curse. It's not a blessing. But we've been redeemed from the curse. That means we've been redeemed from sickness. All sickness is in the curse, and therefore Christ has redeemed us from sickness. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law, as he hung on that shameful tree, and all that is worse is contained in the curse, and Jesus has set me free, not under the curse, not under the curse. Jesus has set me free, for sickness I've health, for poverty wealth, since Jesus has ransomed me. Jesus has redeemed you from the curse of sickness, that you might be blessed with the blessing of life and health. Come to Jesus, receive him as your redeemer from the curse and receive him as the one who blesses you with abundant life. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And our vision is to spread the in-depth teaching of the word of God to the ends of the earth, but we need your help. And on our website, oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk, you, you can find the, a way you can help us financially and we would be so grateful. We've been studying how to receive healing. We must walk in the presence of God and re receive his life, his presence. And that comes by valuing his presence, his anointing above everything. And this series, Seeking the Face of the Lord, is all about seeking his presence and letting his presence fill our life and that's where healing comes from, being in the presence of Jesus. Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services, which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.